Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the first ever AEW Rampage preview. I am Michael Sidgwick in the uh, brief absence of Adam Wilborn and I am joined by fellow Dudley boy Michael Hamflit to preview everything that's in store for us on the debut premiere edition of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We preview and review AEW Dynamite and Rampage, WWE Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and all pay-per-views. We conduct wrestler interviews, we hold roundtable wrestling discussions, and host a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. But for now, it's good to have a good wrestling show on a Friday again, isn't it? <laughs> It is. It is. It feels nice. And just an hour as well. Not even just a good show, but a good amount of time. There's no time to quickly kill. There's no time to waste. 60 minutes. When was the last time? Well, I think we touched on this on another podcast. When was the last time that there was a 60-minute show that felt like a vital part of your wrestling diet that wasn't just C-show fodder, that wasn't a highlights package thing, that wasn't a kickoff or a pre-show or a buy-in? This should feel as electrifying as any sort of weekly dynamite, but packaged into 60 minutes, about 48 with ads. Lovely. It shows how far NXT's fallen when that isn't your first point of reference. Yeah. The 2014, 2015, to an extent, 2016 years. But um, yeah, before we get into the actual content of the very first show, I'm really looking forward to Dynam- uh, Rampage on a broad level. We said before, like, they've already kind of condensed three hours worth of storylines into the two-hour dynamite package and the byproduct of which means that certain episodes have felt rushed there are several examples of angles that haven't really been allowed to resonate or have been built across dynamite like can you imagine if um the scu breakup mm. which informed the elite hunter gimmick if all that unfolded under this dynamite and rampage model it probably would have been a damn sight better. The thing is, I loved that whole development, that whole story, but I wasn't given, I wasn't allowed to love it that much because so much of it unfolded on dark, which, you know, this is the reason why they've got Rampage. This is the reason why Rampage is going to get monetized to such a significantly more lucrative level. It's because it's on telly. It feels way more like canon. It feels way more essential. And looking at um, some of the hints that Cody Rhodes recently provided on the complexion of the show itself and this is certainly the case on week one 
he says, and I'm either quoting or paraphrasing one of the two, it's going to be more fight-based. What I gather from that is, on a typical episode of Dynamite, you get six matches most weeks. Sometimes five, mostly six every single week. You'll get one big in-ring promo angle, um, You'll or one or two. You'll get several backstage pre-taped promos. I'm thinking you're not going to see many backstage pre-taped promos at all. And it's not just on Cody's words, but there's no need. Like I feel like this is a very important um, destination for a lot of matches built on TV that get so built and they therefore become so anticipated that like a little 12-minute match at the end of it can't really live up to the expectations um, cultivated by the very, very long-form storytelling at AEW's core. What do you think Rampage is going to look like in the future before we get to what it looks like tonight? Yeah, like hopefully all of that. Um, even in the the very near future, we were just talking in the office yesterday, I me, mean, you and Murray, about the matches that it was seeming now likely weren't going to occur, occur at all out and what a good thing that was. Like I won't go into the specifics of those because I guess there's probably going to be some overlap in the previews and the weeks to come. But just the amount of feuds that they're constantly trying to set up when you start positioning everything for those pay-per-views, the pay-per-views themselves feel less prestigious. And at four a year, there's kind of no real excuse for that, $50 a shot or whatever it is. Um, so the prospect of them being having the leeway to build up substantial programs, and I think at the moment, like, and off the top of my head, one would be Proud and Powerful on FTR, that feels, if they can get it in the ring, injuries notwithstanding, um, anytime soon, it feels maybe a bit superfluous on an all out on an already stacked show that you don't want to run long and exhaust the audience as they've often done. And then Rampage steps in and just feels like the perfect destination for it. One last big promo, one last big heat segment on a dynamite. And then there you go. It's one of the, if this is going to be the model, three feature matches. And of course the cool thing, and it's funny you mentioned NXT, uh, the one hour one, the cool thing about the sort of the three feature matches or what your expectations are for that one hour is Every now and then when you subvert that, that's all the better. That feels the more unpredictable. It feels the more sporting. It feels the more real. One of these days, an opener is going to go the full 60. It's going to be one of AEW's first, like, longest ever matches, that sort of thing. Or they'll book an Ironman match for it or whatever. Um, or indeed, there's going to be two matches instead of the three because one's going to be for a title and it's going to be massive and it's going to be major. I would imagine eventually another is going to be um, Clash of the Champions style specials. But I feel we're with this teaser that we've got tonight, we're probably not far too far away from an AEW World title match on a rampage one of these weeks. And that coming at the top of the hour of the Friday show is going to, especially with like SmackDown as a lead in, they can almost say without saying, aye, get that out of the way. And then you've got Rampage to look forward to with the belt, like at the top of the hour when you've gotten that nonsense out of the way. Um it's obviously going to be the implication. It's not going to be overt, but they can play with that a little bit as well. It's a lovely form in how it exists tonight, but it the potential of it is just as great in the near future. Indeed. Well, the very first Rampage kicks off with the very first match, and that's going to be Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage for the Impact World Championship, as revealed by Christian, who struck a deal with Scott uh, Demore. On as revealed on Dynamite last night, people are very interested in opinions on this. There are so many permutations. So what I'm going to do, Hamlet, 
before you can expand on your fantasy booking theory that you hinted at on the Dynamite review yesterday, which you've missed, which if you've missed, um, you can access wherever you get your podcasts from. And just a brief note, yes, sorry for the technical difficulties there. We were experimenting with some new studio equipment. It didn't go brilliantly, but the idea is our voices, which can sometimes dip in and out on these podcasts, will come through with further clarity very soon, fingers crossed. I'm going to run through every permutation of the results that could happen. Hamlet is then going to tell you his wild fantasy booking theory, and then we're going to discuss the prospective quality of the match. Hmm. Here it comes. Here it goes. So permutation one, Christian wins, setting up title for title at All Out, which hmm. is a pretty sexed up version of a B-level pay-per-view main event. Yeah. Asterix. Why do a match twice that most were a little bit miffed that they're saying once, given that they heavily foreshadowed the match everyone wants? Yeah. In Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page. So for them to do it twice is risky, if not outright foolish. If, in fact, this is happening, they must be extremely confident of this dynamics potential to deliver. Permutation two, asterisk to follow. Kenny Omega wins. The asterisk here is, why bury Christian tacitly when Kenny Omega wins? Because if and when Kenny Omega wins, then you've got no juice for the match at all out whatsoever. Mm. If in fact there was any to begin with, any doubt, shred or otherwise, that Christian Cage could win the AEW title at all out. It kind of makes that match tenable, so untenable, in fact, that people are already thinking, well, it's not happening. We've seen the graphic, but it's not happening. If Kenny Omega just simply wins, even through nefarious means, then what you're doing is you're tacitly burying Christian because people are going to further think, oh, it can't possibly happen. People thought Zelina Vega was going to wrestle in Vicky Guerrero's place not too recently. Let us not forget, like, Mm -hmm. you know, they advertised. They advertise and they fulfill advertisements. But if Omega wins here, you're basically just making it even more untenable than it is. Uh, result three, it's a time limit draw. I don't know if they can shorten it to 20 minutes. They would have to because there are two other matches on the card. And I know you love the idea of something going long for realism's sake. Mm. That just gently you know, just something off the card. This ain't the way, though. Yeah, this ain't the way. <laughs> no, <laughs> going to not do a Britt Baker match in Pittsburgh. Just isn't happening at all. And if they do 20 minutes, which probably isn't going to happen because it's a 60 minute, like never, it's never going to go 60 minutes, but they tell you for the purposes of immersion and realism that it could go 60. It's not going to go 60. But if they, for whatever reason, reduce the time limit on a one-off basis to 20, you've seen a feature-length pay-per-view match ahead of a feature-length pay-per-view match. <laughs> couple more things. I want your thoughts on this as well before you do your fantasy book and theory. If Omega wins and the Christian Cage match at All Out doesn't happen, like, what next? Darby Allen? He's second in the rankings behind Christian Cage. Hasn't he teased the match with CM Punk? What about Punk himself? Or what would that make of the rankings? Is he just going to do, like... A gauntlet on dark to rack up those wins to make it make sense. If he doesn't do that, does 
he looked like a dick for doing exactly that which he criticized the part-timers in WWE for doing during his prime years there. Do we get Omega versus Darby and then CM Punk versus MJF? He teased it. And he's free it all out, given that his feud. Yeah. Ah, Jesus Christ. I've given you a lot to deal with here, but deal with <laughs> it. Deal with it. Um, the, I'll, yeah, I'll do that first bit about Kenny Omega's opponent. Um, Darby Allen was a pitch a few weeks ago, but for, strictly because of rankings, not because it feels like it makes particular narrative sense or really, I, I don't particularly want it, but like it's there he is as number one slash number two. He's won, he's a draw, all that sort of stuff. Um, but it doesn't feel the time or the place either um, in terms of AEW's building of him. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned MJF because I hadn't particularly thought of MJF for CM Punk, though the teasers have been there. But um, let's assume in this scenario where Christian is somehow taken out of All Out for reasons which I will get to in a second. Um, and you're looking around for baby faces of the Darby Allen and the MJF level. Sammy Guevara's got a big announcement to make next week. And he too is free for All Out, it would appear. And he's got a big announcement. And I know he's already kind of scheduled that announcement. So you have to play a little bit with a potential plot hole there about, well, why would he want to say this now? You know, that kind of thing. Um, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are likely going to be programmed with the Young Bucks. But would that free up Jungle Boy for a, a rematch against Kenny, which would further twist in Christian, like would feel like a knife in Christian's back a little bit, that he's lost the all-out match and Jungle Boy has taken it. And it's like, hang on, you already lost to him. I thought we were mates. And, you know, that kind of believable heel deniability when he eventually turns on him, all that kind of thing. That he, I don't think that's a drop thread that Christian will eventually turn on Jungle Boy. Um, and that match was great. So I'd happily see that again. What, Whatever answer you come up with, they are not, it doesn't appear on paper, but I do trust the process that they are yet, they've yet to address what feels like it's going to be Kenny Omega working his second B-level title match in a row on pay-per-view. And that's not ideal. So whatever, and that, I include Christian, I include the current advertised match in that as well. Um, whatever we arrive at with this, that's the challenge is in the TV time they've got remaining, not least with enormous debut of a wrestler potentially unrelated to all of this in CM Punk. That's the hill they've got to climb, regardless of who the opponent is, is elevating this entire program, elevating this title. It has become, um, it's the undoing of the belt collector, I think, this. When, when I really think about it, is the, the reality of this Kenny Omega character, it happened, it sort of became a self-fulfilling prophecy. In a match that was great with Pac and Orange Cassidy, but certainly... Everybody felt the same in the build, and nobody particularly complained about Stadium Stampede 2 going on last. I would have preferred the triple threat to go another minute. I think they might have made it feel bigger, given the spot, but it didn't happen. Uh, and I just, I don't know, that's that's their challenge with the TV time. Why I think it's not going to be Christian, as you've kind of teed up, and I, I briefly mentioned in our Dynamite review, um, I thought it was really interesting and not wasted that Christian <laughs> went like above and beyond to put over the AW World title before saying he was going to challenge for another one. What does that say about him? What does that say about Kenny? What does it say about Impact? Yet again, bending over to sort of the whims of an AEW wrestler. And Scott Damore, who was given the red carpet to come in and commentate, like what felt like a bit of a hair ruffling spot. Yeah, you come in, you can commentate on your own little match that we're doing on Dynamite. That kind of our invading wrestlers have kept the titles. And if they were going to lose them, they were going to lose them at the Dark Order. You know, these belts aren't yours, they're ours. It's feeling very much like Impact is feeling like the bullied little brother 
of AEW rather than this being a forbidden door or a business relationship and maybe Impact or a representative of Impact through Scott Demore opening the door has had enough of it and they're going to aid Kenny Omega in victory because all of a sudden Kenny Omega's Impact champion is not the problem. Christian Cage with a bit of a bitch move on Dynamite is. I don't know who that Impact defender is and that's another conversation. Andy Murray in the office yesterday pitched and again awesome moment for the wrestling open world jay white being the one to interfere on kenny's behalf to set up a match with christian that removes christian from all out a particularly nasty beating or something like that that teases what is the relationship with jay white and kenny omega impact left that one open to sort of question they've yet to go back like revisit it so i love him as an option um but somebody that's so fiercely loyal to impact that they're angry with it um a sammy callahan perhaps uh, a pissed off Moose who has been completely sidelined as a result of it. It's just, you know, he lost, he didn't just lose like the match to Kenny. He lost that fake belt that doesn't mean anything that Kenny loves, the TNT Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. He's been nothing ever since. Um, is Rich Swan still fit and probably keen to get his belt back? You know, like there's, there's people and it could be anyone and this presents itself as an opportunity. I don't want to be one of those people bargaining, as was the case with Zelina Vega and Vicky Guerrero. I don't. I just I couldn't shake off how brutal it felt when Christian like put that belt over in the face of the one he was actually going to fight for. That just felt like maybe it's a maybe I'm just like I'm chasing a dead lead here. But I just thought that was a really odd choice. And on the same night that we got Scott Demore, that feels like it mirrors the same night that Don Callis came in as as Kenny's friend, you know. And really, it was revealing something else. Absolutely, you say chase the lead there. I mean, this is kind of a cold case in <laughs> suboptimal ways and the usual connotations of that word. Before we move on, they basically have to put on something classier. If, in fact, they're going to do title for title, if, in fact, that match graphic isn't a bait and switch, and again, going back to the Zelina Vega, Vicky Guerrero stuff, this company doesn't really tend to do bait and switches at all. They've produced that graphic. They've told their audience the match is happening. Um, Tony Khan's been on the record of outright refusing to falsely advertise it's yet another um chapter from the don't do what wwe does guide including loving christian <laughs> like a lot <laughs> jesus like this match is probably going to happen at all out is my ultimate mm. feeling on the matter the only reason i can see why tony Khan would falsely advertise is knowing that he's got something better lined up that no one's going to think oh we wanted that second to make a christian match but again that buries christian that yeah. is all over the place but they i think i trust them i don't i trust them but my god it needs to be converged at some point soon before we move on what do you think the quality of the match is going to be like i think it's got to be high it's got to be really really high um it's to sort of build on your point you know, the, the kind of like the permutations as you put it before life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs united healthcare can help get you covered with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans they supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Let's assume it's happening in some fashion at all hours. This now... I don't like this because this is like WWE speak a little bit. This match exists to sell the match, doesn't it? If this is rubbish, it doesn't feel pay-per-view worthy, does it? So the pressure is on them to have this banger that makes you think, I want to watch this again. But then that creates its own unique problem in that if it's so good, they might not be able to live up to its expectations at all out. Like this is just that, let's just say to keep this bit simple, this has to rule. And at least I think we can be assured of that because Christian plays this. I know it's not for everybody. But he scales everything back just so you can really appreciate the final five minutes. There's a, like, you've called him like a dark art specialist before because there's a lot of things that you just don't see. Um, and that's why, like, he's a wrestler's wrestler. And that's why wrestlers love working him. And that's probably why Tony Khan wants to keep him as a coach forever, that kind of thing. Um, Kenny is not somebody that needs that. But in its own way, Christian, the almost WWE lifer, few years in TNA notwithstanding it kind of represents a different challenge for Kenny's style and I, like I, he, Styles Clashes work really well with Kenny Omega really really well and I think the Styles Clash will complement him as it always does and if we see any kind of condescending patronising slow it down brother stuff from Christian I feel like we're going to be supposed to be seeing it it's going to be the thing where the wrestlers want us to see that Christian is being this like tried and true, almost grey professional trying to like numb the spark of Omega. And like, I, I think these things will converge into a really, really lovely match, but there is a strange pressure on it if they're going to run it twice. Indeed, the spectre, if you like, of the second match is sort of looming and all important and you can't really ignore it. But I don't know if it's just the stage. And if it is just the stage, then what does that say about the fact that it's probably going to happen again at All Out? Like... This feels just delicious TV fair. Absolutely beautiful TV wrestling fair. As you said, Christian is masterful at building a match. To the point that sometimes the earlier bits can feel drab. And it does inform the last five minutes. He's kind of like... A Carter took Christian's approach to building a match and did it better. 
I don't know if he's done it directly or indirectly or what, but, you know, there are certain similarities there. I'm not suggesting for a moment it's going to be on the level of Omega and Okada. I'm not that much of an AEW mark, but I'm expecting kind of a slow burn. I'm also expecting some absolutely beautiful counter-based wrestling. Um, Christian's a very good defensive wrestler. He's got a very high ring IQ. You can actually feel like when he's in the ring, he's applying strategy. Mm. It's not just that the spots make sense and the connective tissues there and all peaks, peaks, peaks and never dips. But like when he's wrestling, you can actually feel like he's using every single part of the ring um, to try and hurt his opponent, to try and outfox his opponent. Both of these guys have got absolutely beautiful penetration steps. They love slamming their knees to the ground, scurrying behind their opponents to try and launch a move from the back. And I'm expecting kind of a beautiful festival of that. I think this is going to be great with a capital G, um, but how good can it possibly be? Because it's not just Omega versus Christian Cage on telly and a pay-per-view. They don't really do anything in short order, much less the match that isn't the match that people wanted originally. My God, I'm fascinated by all of this. I could spend all day talking about it, but we have a limited window. So let's discuss the two remaining matches up next because we know what the main event is going to be. It's Miro versus Fuego Del Sol. If, in fact, Fuego Del Sol wins, he earns a contract. Is he getting a contract tonight? No, but, I mean, he's got one, and he? Yeah. Like, it's this it's this nice thing for the, the massive Fuego fans, of which we know they are out there, that they can enjoy this story as fiction because we probably all know the facts, and that's what's fun about this. Um, Miro gets to play Spirit Crusher tonight, and that's going to be, like, loads of fun. He's going to fold... Um, Fuego in half with one of them particularly vicious game overs. Uh, Fuego's going to connect with one or two things that bring Mirror off his feet but don't really take him off his game. And that's the closest you're going to get to anything resembling a hope spot. I think he's going to get, like, Fuego's going to get even less than Lee Johnson did. And Lee Johnson only needed about a minute. And that was all that, was all that he kind of needed for that match to work. And I think we're going to get much the same tonight. It, um, it's perfect for this show. It's perfect for that middle match. It's perfect for that. Short, sharp shock. If they want to cool down the crowd off a hot finish to Christian and Omega before the so not to wreck them for the main event, the women's title match, but don't want to bore them, you have landed on the perfect solution to that, which is Miro and Fuego is a match that solves a really nice problem that they've created for themselves with the structure of this TV show. And I look forward to seeing Fuego suffer for his art. There is more law in a <laughs> B level. C-level AEW dark wrestler than there is like a exorbitantly financed supernatural character in WWE. The lore of this goddamn tornado DDT, like people are so into it. It's a really clever shtick. So much so that I expect Fuego, de, Fuego del Sol's hope spot, of which I think you'll get one. It'd be funny if he just gets murdered in two minutes. <laughs> like how cruel will um, Miro appear in the aftermath of that? But I expect you'll definitely get a hope spot. It's like what the fans want, and it's a big, beautiful fan service company at its best. The teasers of it, when he finally gets one over, when he finally gets like an inch in this match, will be great. The motion to launch into it only to get swatted aside will be great the arc of being able to do it only for Miro to stand dead in his tracks and just launch him over his head with a suplex will be great the kick out could be even greater but I would suggest he could really do this match twice mm. yeah um, but look it's one of those beautiful AEW devices we know the winner we know who should win we know who's not going to win we know it's not going to go long but 
to the careful build of Wigger del Sol, their patience with building, their total embrace of what the fans want. Like, this should be a lovely little seven minutes. A lovely little seven seven minutes. My only potential issue is that this is another factor that we have to consider, really. With it being an hour, my only worry, as I know it's TV, it's the platform. My only worry is that the first match, a la Dynamite, is not going to have uninterrupted like action, like without commercial interruption. Like I'm thinking there's going to be a little ad break with it only being one hour which is a bit of a shame. And I'm thinking with how short this match is going to be, maybe the advert break is the only possibility of this failing as a nice little B-show TV match. But Miro wins, Delsal gets a hope spot, the crowd will go wild. It's just a really nice short thing that hopefully doesn't feel shorter than it is through the advert. In the main event, two more talking points. I want to talk about the ratings, so remind me, because I've got quite a flighty mind and I might forget. So remind me, I want to talk about the ratings at the end of the show, but before that, it's Britsburg, it's Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Red Velvet for the AEW Women's title. I don't know who's going to win, because it's not Vince McMahon, a cruel bastard booking it, but do you expect to um, bite on the reverse outcome? And what do you think the quality of the match is going to be like? No, and hopefully okay in in that order. Um, ah, oh, I mean, it's a strange booking all the way around. Like this will scan as generous, so I'll say this first. Um, maybe here one of the goals of AEW was to um, like they're not daft, and we well we know they listen, so we've been saying it enough. But Red Velvet's such an awesome like on the come up baby face, and put her in a spot that you could have gifted. And not that overheel to feel like the biggest heel in wrestling. She's going to get booed out of the building tonight, as she was in like the tiniest of brawls in the, the segment in Pittsburgh on Wednesday's Dynamite. And again, might sound generous. Maybe all of this has been designed as yet another test for Red Velvet. They have got a lot of faith in her. They see what we see. You know, they're working with her every day. And she had that awesome showing in the last big opportunity she had, which was the Shaq match, where she came across great and kind of like really did make a name for herself much as that's an overused cliche in wrestling she did make a name for herself and she did make her one of those people you would maybe try and find time to watch and see her progression through these darks and dark elevations that are so hard to keep up with as she builds this enormous unfathomable winning record um so maybe that's what it is maybe it's right you know what tonight you're gonna get booed let's see how you do with this this is going to be another learning experience for you you're going to win about in two years time but you're going to be grateful for having gone through all these trials because it's going to make you the best worker for the job when the time comes maybe it is just as simple as that and baker gets this awesome baby face win the match quality is a different conversation and it's a getting to become a pretty nerve-wracking one um everybody loves Britt baker and she feels like a star and it is is it more important or is it as important? I think it's more important right now, but there will come a time where it'll only become as important of what she delivers in the ring. Um, what's a problem with Britt Baker's inconsistent form is that it slightly tears away at the awesome myth of a megastar that she's become. Wrestling is about obscuring negatives and highlighting the positives. It's the Paul Heyman philosophy. We talk about this all the time. And that's all that AEW have done with Britt Baker, and that's awesome. She's a fantastic talker. She's got all this natural charisma that was being, like, squashed a little bit as a white bread baby face when AEW first started, and they got all that out of the system, and they've, like, finally found what works, and it's so great. Um, she was having enough 
really, really strong matches that you didn't care about the middling ones because you had all that aforementioned star power. They've not been as present lately. And the aforementioned star power isn't quite fueling this run as much as a good match would. So if this is great tonight, I think even though she should still be a full out baby face, and even though it feels like they maybe should just pivot when they don't want to because they'd lined up a load of baby face to fight her. She has this great match tonight. I think a lot of the criticisms that have been levied at this Britt Baker title run by us and others, I think a lot of them will be answered like we say this sometimes. There are certain matches at certain times featuring certain wrestlers where you're sat in there going, please let this bang. Please let this bang. She is kind of in need of this to be great. Yeah, I completely agree. I've got confidence that like, Britt Baker's going to be so up for this. So up for this in Pittsburgh, her hometown, of course. The they're not idiots. This is the very, very intelligent wrestling company. This is the intelligent wrestling company that we doubt as being the intelligent wrestling company because there's been an absolutely moronic one monopolizing everything for 20 years to such an extent that, like, they, I don't want to use this word out of turn, but it's the only one I can think of at the top of my head. So I apologize, even though like, I am misusing it. There's a certain trauma when it comes to watching AEW because you've been so shaken by the idiocy and the like heartbreaking well it used to break your heart everyone's numb but like the just idiocy of wwe haunts AEW because they've set such ritual precedent they know that she's going to get booed out of the building they are not going to dare lay out a match in which red velvet does the babyface hope spots they're not even gonna have an all babyface match but the question is can Velvet Red Velvet pull off a situational heel role. My initial feeling is I've got any idea because she's so <laughs> experienced. I've only ever seen her work as a baby face, but just as little glimmers where she's got a lot of fire. Mm. And I know it's a baby face quality, but you can certainly like have a bit of a brawl or a scrap. She's very good with the camera and working it when she does the poses, she could do the exact same pose she does when she enters the ring in front of that Pittsburgh backdrop after getting the better of Britt Baker and she'll get booed out the building. Like she works closely with Cody. Cody is a magnificent heel and a very clever dude who will know that she's going to get booed. So hopefully he can give her the confidence to, you know, just own it. He's very much in favor of the whole situational character dynamics anyway. I just don't want to get too ambitious. I don't want them to chase a classic match, which I think they've been guilty of doing by mapping out these women's division matches in the layouts. We had certain injuries in 2020 because they were telling them to do too much. I hope they strip that element back. We saw a bit of it with um, the Sheeta and the Nyla Rose matches. You don't have to have a classic. You just have to have like a really good, feel-good hometown win. Do drama. That's what people want. Mm. This, this Pittsburgh crowd doesn't want to think that they're going to WWE us, if you like, by having Baker lose. So just, you've got drama to play with before you step foot in the ring. Just play with that and don't get too overambitious. I go back and forth as well on how how you end, like what's the perfect end to the first rampage? Is it, as you say, them showing themselves off as the alternative by a hometown hero getting the response you would expect for a hometown hero as the little... Um, graphic comes up in the corner. This is what AW is. This is what Rampage is. Like a great reaction, a nice time, buy tickets the next time, all that sort of stuff. Or do you take advantage and do you go for heat? This company loves heat. Does this show go off the air with a heel, um, laying a marker down for 
all out. We always mention Serena D because it's the match we want, because it's the match we think Britt Baker needs. Um, is she more recovered than she's letting on? We've seen her step out with a wheelchair. Maybe she's even more recovered than that. All of these promos that have appeared on Twitter, we can assume have probably taken place in the Nightmare Factory. They're not just for Serena's Twitter engagement. They're clearly for something that they want AEW fans to be latching onto ahead of an eventual program. Um, if not her, a, a Jade Cargill. Again, you have the same issues as in experience, but she looks like a star and she talks and walks and acts like a star. So again, do you just try it? Um, because if a heel does attack, they're going to get immense heat. It's going to go down an absolute storm. And that in itself is another cool visual to go off the air. And I, I don't know which one's better for the, the show or Brit going forward, because I just think you would make somebody in that attack like the you would get that cauldron atmosphere for somebody. Well, the very first dynamite, and they love playing with symmetry in this com- company. The very first dynamite, of course, ended on the closing shot of a brand new heel stable on a very heel heavy note. Mm. Maybe we'll get something like that at Rampage. I think you make a good point. We are not going to help our reputation as helpless wrestling marks if this preview goes longer than the show it's previewing. So very, very, very quickly, I want your thoughts. Informed, talk about it. I'm not your dad. Um, on what you think the rating's going to be. Oh, um, it's a hot product at the moment. Um, you can feel the buzz. The, the CM Punk talk, I'm assuming, has crossed our little bubble and out into the, the wider world. Um, I think it, I think it might get in the high 900s. I don't know if a million's too ambitious. Moreover, I don't want the million to become this stick to beat a rampage with as it was for Dynamite for such a long time. It's a target that was invented by a section of the fan base, not one that was invented by um, the network that pays for it. So I think it's going to do in the high 900s and they will be looking to crack, crack that million and beyond based on what they've got lined up for next week. I think it's really awesome, by the way, that they've like just, and this is ratings related, that the CM Punk stuff is a week two deal. Like why put all your eggs in in the same basket when week one should sell a show itself and a, a good card, two title matches, you big stars. Um, I think they've played a blind. Yeah, sorry, three title matches. Yeah, I think they've played a blinder with how they've laid all this out. Um, so yeah, I think a high 900s. I'm inclined to agree heavily caveated with the fact that those Friday night dynamites didn't perform well, but they knew they weren't going to perform well. It was all about, well, it wasn't about establishing the slot. It was because they got told to get like those. It was like the opposite of this really, wasn't it? They understaffed those shows on yeah, purpose. Completely like I didn't, I don't want to pick her. I don't want to pick on the dude, but Nick Comaroto versus Dustin Rhodes will never headline a dynamite fingers crossed ever again. If in fact we remain in front of crowds, um, for you know the rest of time please get vaccinated for christ's sake it's a big show it's a big card it's event television they've built it they've built it they've built it they've got the benefit perhaps of the smackdown runoff the curiosity i'm inclined to think like i don't think they're going to sustain these highs but i think the first show's gonna get 90500 with about 450 in the demo yeah i wouldn't veer too far away from that i was thinking about i was sort of in the 950s but otherwise i wouldn't uh, like I wouldn't be shocked at that. Put it like that, and I think they'd presumably they'd be absolutely over the moon if they if they did hit that million. We'll go old school Wednesday night raw style. So I'm going nine oh five zero zero zero. I know the demo is more important, but the big number's sexy. So. <laughs> I'll say nine fifty two. Nine fifty two zero zero zero. Let us know what you think. Uh, the rating for the inaugural debut premiere of AEW Rampage is um, below, sorry, um, easy for me to say, the Twitter post of this podcast. And whilst you're there, you can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. 
Uh, you can follow me at M Cedric. Once again, you can follow the entire crew at What Culture WWE. Enjoy Rampage tonight. It's event television. And we will give your thoughts. We will give you our thoughts, sorry, on the quality of the show in a few days' time. But until then, we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.